Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Support Solutions. In each episode, we'll chat about what we're up to and bring you fantastic interviews with guest experts, as well as our app of the month and top tips, all aimed at helping you to grow your VA business. So grab a cuppa, sit back and join us for a fun-filled hour. Welcome listeners to episode 23 of Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants. And today I'm without Jo. She couldn't make it to our recording session. I can't remember why, but in any event, she's not with me today. So you're just stuck with me. So things that I've been up to, well, when I record this introduction, it's quite a while after I recorded the recording or the interview with Paul, which is a cracking interview. And if you're a Mac user, it's one not to miss. And we chatted about all sorts of things to do with working on a Mac when you are a virtual assistant, which is handily useful. So I'm recording this introduction to the session on September the 21st, which is a few weeks after I recorded the interview with Paul. And I'm coming to you today from New York. Our daughter who lives here, married daughter lives here, has a 20-month-old. Just two, under two weeks ago, she had baby number two, a little boy. So now she's got the full set, a girl and a boy. So my husband and I came out to the States and we are here helping. Well, rather I'm here recording and not helping, but that's the next thing I'm going to be doing once I've finished recording the intro for this episode. So what else have I been up to apart from being a very doting grandma uh, and uh, helpful mum around the house over the last few weeks? Well, I've been creating my fillable forms course, which by the time this episode airs will have been live for some time. And I've also been writing a book about Microsoft Teams. And as you know, I've got a couple of courses on Teams out and BookBoon, my online publisher, requested that I write a book for them. So that's being done and that will be released at the end of November. So after this episode airs, but not very long after. So that's what I've been up to. I'm not going to waffle too much for you because there's only me. I'm not chatting with Joe today. And I'm going to go straight in and key up the interview with Paul Richardson, which, as I said, is a good one. See you in a minute. So welcome, Paul. It's a great pleasure to have you here on the podcast with us today. And um, I don't really know you very well. We've chatted on a couple of occasions. You were recommended to me by the most wonderful Jennifer Corcoran. Uh, and I loved the chat that we had a week or so ago when we were talking about inviting you onto the podcast. So before we get stuck in, perhaps you'd like to tell our listeners just a little bit about you what you do, who you support, and what, you know, just general knowledge. Um, well, my name's Paul Richardson. Um, my company, as you can see, is Inception, no, my fingers, there we go, Inception yeah. Support. And I am very fortunate that I do a, a job I love. I support Apple computers for those in the creative industries, uh, be it one-man bands, up to companies of any sizes, as well as home users, uh, helping people get the most out of their out of their devices. Um, been doing, I've been an Apple engineer for eighteen years now, probably longer than I care to remember. Um, but no, I I still enjoy it. So I'm still here, and yeah, it, it's uh, so far so good. 
Yeah, I totally resonate with that because I really enjoy what I do. Um, I'm at the end of, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've been in the online space for, well, on and off. Uh, now completely for about eight years and uh, and I still love what I do and I think the definition is isn't it if if you would still do what you did without being paid would you still do it and I probably would although I'd like to be paid <laughs> paying being paid does make it easier to bear yes <laughs> it does it does so uh, so no that's that's really good so I am a bilingual person in that I'm both Windows and Mac and um, we asked our listeners if they had any questions because you were going to be on to talk about Max. And our audience are virtual assistants, so they usually be working by themselves or possibly as part of a team of virtual assistants. And what I'm noticing is quite a number of virtual assistants do use Max in their business. Um, whether that's the whole team or individuals, that, that differs. And uh, so much so that in my online courses, I have ranges of courses for both platforms so that if somebody's using Word on either platform, they can get the same mileage out of it. And it, it really shouldn't matter these days what your computer is, as long as you can get the work done. And then there's all these Mac evangelists and Windows evangelists around. Don't. There's, there's room for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, there is. So I've got, I've got some questions. They're on my other monitor. So just bear with me while I pull them up. So the first question that came in was actually from Jennifer. Um, and she asked about um, managing your RAM. So when you buy a computer, and if anybody always asks my advice, and I'm not a techie, but I'm more techie than most people, um, I always say get the highest spec you can afford. Uh, and for me, the most important part of that, especially now in the online workspace, is RAM. So first of all, would you agree with that? And secondly, what would your advice be? And what's the best way to manage that RAM once you've got it? Uh, you've got to be careful with your definitions because RAM um, is the short-term memory of the machine yeah. where the computations happen. The more RAM you've got, the more balls the machine can juggle at any given time. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's often confused with storage where you actually save your files and folders. So you need to get your definitions correct. You are right. The more RAM you can possibly afford, the better. Because a lot of the time now when you buy a machine, you can't necessarily upgrade it aftermarket, certainly with the laptops. So you have to work on the basis that whatever you buy needs to last you at a good five to seven years because you know, that's what the accountants like anyway um <laughs> as the storage yes again the more you can um afford the better but there's there's a potential pitfall that the more storage you have the more rubbish you keep so actually i don't recommend huge hard drives um uh, because it encourages people to keep the rubbish they shouldn't Yes. You know, there are ways of archiving data and, and all that sort of thing that can be addressed. But RAM, yes, storage, manage it and you'll be okay. Yeah. No, I, I talk about RAM. So I mentioned it especially now in the online world. And talking to my audience, which are virtual assistants, they're by definition working a lot online, whether that's sending stuff with email or whether that's actually having six million web pages open at the same time, which... Yeah. To me, is like, oh, I don't like that. I close them down. But I know lots of people who have 
lots of tabs open and that hogs your memory doesn't it and it chrome is vicious down. for that yeah. chrome is absolutely horrific for soaking up resources yeah I yeah 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 so that's so that's good so get the most ram you can get and you're saying don't necessarily get the best hard drive now that's really interesting because i have or oh, it's in the other room today because we use i use my macbook for uh my spare machine in the living room i have a macbook air which is what i use to create and deliver and test all the stuff that i teach so that i know what i'm talking about when i'm speaking mac um i've been speaking mac for a long time but um I still end up somehow preferring my Windows machine. Um, but if somebody took my Windows machine away from me and said, you've got to use Mac, I'd be perfectly happy with that. So, so that's fine. Um, so funnily enough, this morning, I was doing some tidying up because I've got a 256 gigabyte hard drive, which I actually find is okay, but does fill up quite quickly. Um, and I was taking off some applications. I went through to have a look. So what are your recommendations for keeping on top of that storage dilemma that you mentioned? Um, just, do, um, just do an audit. Yeah, uh, every six months or so, go through your applications. Which ones have I used in the past six months? If you haven't used it, it's not that important. Bin it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, same with your data. Do you need multiple versions of the same file? Not okay. necessarily. <laughs> In it. Yeah. Yeah. People by, you know, like I said, yeah, especially with data, we've all turned into wombles. We keep everything. Yeah. Yeah. My, my husband's, um, I'm the queen of the delete button and he keeps everything. So electronically, I'm not in the house. I mean, thankfully we, we agree on what we keep in the house and the house is streamlined, but um, he keeps absolutely everything, every email, everything. I don't need it. I delete it. So I've well, it, it yeah. I mean, certainly with emails, it depends on what you do because obviously yeah. Yeah. because I offer advice to people, yeah, I've had people come back to me in pre in previous um, employment, had people come back to me and said, you told me to do this. I've done it. Or you told me this needed doing. Um, I, I've gone off and done it by myself. It's gone wrong. It's your fault. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, actually, no. Um, so, so it depends on, on what you do need to keep. Emails, they don't actually take up much space themselves because no. it's text. What does catch you is the attachments. Yeah, yeah. So pruning attachments. And then if, if you're using a Mac, um, what would be your recommendation for an email application? So the application that you use to read and reply and manage your email and calendar. So... Most VAs, well, they'll, they'll fall into two different camps. They'll be G Suite users and they'll be Office 365 or Microsoft 365, as it's now called. I have to keep remembering that. Yeah. Uh, so those will be the main, the main two. I'm sure there are people that use some of the other Office applications. So would you recommend using Apple Mail or Outlook or really is it kind of just personal preference? Um, a lot of it's personal preference. Certainly, I mean, I use Apple Mail, um, and yeah, yes, okay, I'm an Apple Apple guy, but I use Office 365 because the Exchange platform is quite frankly brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to hand it to them. Um, and Apple Mail works beautifully. Um, ties in, no problems at all. The G Suite does very, very strange things sometimes. <laughs> um, the way they manage the IMAP system is 
odd. Um, so those who are using G Suite, to be honest, use a web browser because it's designed that way. Um, if you want to use Outlook, Microsoft Outlook, again, that'll you know, thought to exchange perfectly happily. Again, the G Suite kind of works, but it's not designed to talk really to to browsers that live on the computer. Um, and I've had all sorts of fun and games with it. So yeah, whatever works, it's, it's personal preference. Um, me for me, it, yeah, it's Apple Mail and the, and the Office uh, 365 platform. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, are, are there anything that you would say you really shouldn't put on your Mac? Avoid like the plague. Uh, you know, I could drop myself into all sorts of trouble here, couldn't I? Well, uh, <laughs> that's not. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll take that question away. Well, I, I won't. Uh, right, okay. Um, I've got another question here. Is um, backing up, backup. How often should you be backing up? And how? What do you recommend? mend for backing up is that um, iCloud should it be time machine should it be just copying pasting stuff to an external hard drive what what's your recommended strategy the right back in terms of how often you do a backup um, ask yourself a simple question how far back in time could I could I suffer data loss so if you're really, really busy, could you suffer a week, a month, a year back? Probably not. So you scale them back up according to how much you're willing, how much pain you're willing to put yourself through. Um, manual backups, bad idea because people are inherently lazy and they forget. <laughs> yes. Uh, Guilty. <laughs> um, so the street, a more streamlined and efficient backup would be a local hard drive or you know, NAS drive on your network, network attached storage yeah. um, to that locally. So backup locally for speed. Also have an online backup. Um, I, I'm a partner with a, a solution and it backs up over the internet on your preferred basis, daily, hourly, when a file changes. So that gives you the best of both worlds. So if you have a complete failure of your machine, mm. you've got a local backup for speed. Yeah. But if in the unfortunate case, your house or office burns down, your data is off site. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, isn't it? And I think we often forget that, um, that it's a good idea to have both a physical backup and uh, an online backup somewhere. So um, perhaps um, after we've had a chat, if you can drop me an email with a link to the site that you partner with, I'll stick it on our resources on the um on the web page for this episode whenever it goes live i'm not quite sure when that will be but sometime we we've we've been so lucky with the podcast we've we've got lots of episodes already recorded and we're doing some more this week and we're scheduling ahead so it's really 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 good um okay so what are your thoughts about file vault and should vas working on desktops laptops have file vault switched on yes Oh, okay. That was the short answer. Well, put it, okay. Obviously, File Vault is all about data. Say, well, GDPR's got you coming and going on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure, probably, I think we've all gotten past the horror of those letters given what's, you know, recent events. Um, you have, yeah, if you have any sort of sensitive data, you have to have the drive encrypted. Put it this way if your drive is not encrypted, if I have local access to your computer, your data is mine. I don't need your password. I don't need any of your credentials. I can give myself 
administrator level credentials, override your password and your data is mine. If the drive is encrypted, I can't. Simple as that. Well, that's really good to know because VAs typically will be working with their clients' data. So it's um, really, really important. And um, mirrors also what Tristan Martin was saying. We, we interviewed Tristan, uh, I think it was episode two, um, who supports VAs. He does Windows, but he also talks Mac as well. Um, and we were just talking about secure. That episode was just about securing your tech. Uh, and he was talking you know exactly the same thing so listeners you've heard it here it's backed up go switch on your either your file vault on mac or BitLocker if you happen to have a windows machine you must encrypt them so, if i may just add something in there when do. you took when you turn file vault on it gives you two options to either use your icloud password to unlock or to create a manual key please create a manual key Right. Simple reason being, to use the iCloud password to unlock the machine, it requires a working internet connection, and it requires Apple systems to be available. Uh -huh. If Apple have a very bad day, or your machine becomes of an age where it can't talk to Apple to use the iCloud password to unlock, your data's gone. If you have a manual key, it's always under your direct control. Now, that's really interesting. So, let me because I can't remember what I did, I probably used my iCloud thing because it was the easy option. So if I want to change that now, um, what, what should I be doing with my Mac, MacBook Air going into file? Can I change that? Can I create a manual? No, you have to, no, no, you have to turn file vault off and back on again. Oh, okay. Simple as that. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Okay. I think I shall be doing that right after this. Um, now, I have noticed as the machines, Apple's machines, I'm talking laptops because I've never had the beautiful looking iMacs. I've never had one of those. I've, I've always wanted one, to be quite honest, because they're just so beautiful. But, um, and I'm a bit geeky. I like my, I like my laptops. Um, but I've got a, a, a MacBook Air, which um, before we, we came to live abroad, I traded up and bought a new one because I thought, I'm just going to start with a new one and uploaded everything. So what I discovered was that, um, and I'd forgotten about this until it actually arrived, that it's only got two USB-C ports. And, you know, if you're somebody like me, who's working with external monitors, microphone, camera, all external stuff, um, I was struggling to connect everything. Um, I discovered this little device. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. If you're listening, it's called a, a RayQ. And I came across it when I saw somebody else using it. Um, and it's got two USB-C uh, plugs, and it plugs into the two ports. And then it allows me to, to plug in regular USB slots. And I found it quite good, so long as my external monitor has a USB on the other end um, because it doesn't take HDMI. So what do you do if you've got a MacBook Air um, and you need to connect to a TV or something with an HDMI connection? Have you got any recommendations for that? Yeah, there are alternatives to that device you've got there that have oh. HDMI on them. Oh, right, I'm, I'm sure there are. I just that um, I'm in, I'm, I myself use a, um, a CalDigit uh, dock. Uh, 
So I've got one cable that plugs into the side of the computer, but off the back of that, I've got um, USB keyboard, Ethernet, HDMI, and yeah. about three USB sockets. Um, but there are alternatives out there that give you, you know, more or less um, yeah. ports as you need. And would you recommend always using Apple peripherals or is it okay to buy a generic one or somebody else make? What, what? Oh, no, go for whatever your budget allows. Um, the whole point of USB is it's cross-platform. It's a generic uh, standard. So these days you don't know. You, you don't have to get the, the preferred Apple one. The whole point of USB is that it is universal. Yeah. So yeah. whatever you need, use it. Yeah. The Apple ones do tend to be a little pricier than the others. There is a premium to them, yes. <laughs> there is a premium. Okay. So is there anything that you'd like to tell our listeners about working with Mac and things that they should perhaps be looking out for or doing on a regular basis to keep themselves working efficiently? Um, yeah, to, to be honest, we've, we've covered a lot of it. One thing I... I do um, it's my personal soapbox is the difference between uh, a backup and a synchronization service uh, services like Dropbox OneDrive Google Drive um, iCloud itself they're not backups they're synchronization services what you do to one you're doing to the others the number of times I've heard people say oh I thought it was all backed up because it was on Dropbox no it's not if you delete it from the computer, it's deleted from Dropbox. And Dropbox et al, everybody, if you read their T's and C's, they only guarantee the service. They don't guarantee your data, yeah. which is why you always have an independent backup. I think that is a brilliant point to end on. Um, obviously, I teach OneDrive, SharePoint, and all of that, but not SharePoint in detail, but certainly always synchronizing i keep everything synchronized synchronization services are fantastic because whatever machine you're on you're always in the same situation you've got yeah. access to whatever you want and in fact one of the things i did this morning on my macbook air was i stopped certain folders from synchronizing to it because they were taking up local space that i didn't need them to do and, and i was tidying up and freeing up space this morning so, so that was good. But I think that's a really good point to have a backup strategy in place, secondary to, well, as well as, not secondary really. It's, no, it's, as well as. It's almost more important um, because all of these things, which are like insurance policies, it's there in case you need it. And God forbid you should need it. Yeah, and a big, a big thing that people forget that, you know, people say, oh, I've got insurance in case the house burns down, the computer's insured and whatever. But your business isn't the computer you're using. Your business is the data that sat on it. Yeah. I've gone, into, I've gone into businesses and it says, you know, what backup system have you got? Well, we haven't really. Okay, so how would you build, rebuild the past 10 years of all of your business? Mm, yeah, and they can't. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, and it happens even to Apple machines. It can happen. Oh, yeah. Anything made by and used by humans does and can go wrong. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All you've got to do is spill coffee on your laptop and you're really in a problem. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm sure that happens far more often than we hear about. <laughs> 
Well, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And listeners, if you've got any questions, all Paul's contact details will be on the webpage and you'll be able to get in touch with him. And he supports both home and business users. And if you're on a Mac, I recommend that you have a chat with him and see how he can take the headache out of keeping you running smoothly. Um, So thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Well, wasn't that a great interview with the wonderful Paul Richardson? And I really recommend if you're on a Mac that you connect up with him and all his contact details will be on the webpage. And on the subject of working on a Mac, I teach Microsoft Office on both platforms, both Windows and Mac, and have been doing so for quite a long time. So if you're struggling with anything on Microsoft Office on your Mac, do drop me a line and let me know how I can help. I have a range of courses that can help you too. But do hop into the Tomorrow's VA Facebook group, ask to join, you can post your questions in there. And there's a Tomorrow's VA Facebook page where you can also get hold of me or the virtually amazing podcast page. And Joe and I would love to hear from you, even though Joe isn't with me today. And we'd love to know what you're loving about the podcast. Remember to rate it on your favorite podcast app where you listen as that helps other people find it and know that it's worth listening to. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line to Shelley at Tomorrow's VA or Joe at JLB Consulting because Joe's just changed her email address. I may have that wrong, but her contact details are on the webpage. And let us know what you'd love to tell our audience of virtual assistants all about. We love hearing your VA journeys and contributing to your VA success. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We look forward to seeing you or hearing you or you hearing us in the next episode, which is coming very soon.